You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 31. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. Today we welcome Jonathan Dyson. Jonathan is the editor of Twist magazine. He is also a freelance journalist, writer and photographer. Twist is the international magazine for natural fibers, yarns and fabrics and is published by the World Textile Information Network. Welcome Jonathan, it's good to have you on the show today. How are you? Hi Lisa, yeah, very good, thank you. <laughs> I would like to ask you to get us started by telling a little bit more about yourself and also a little bit more about Twist magazine. Sure, yeah. So I've been with uh, World Textile Information Network, which, as you mentioned, publishes Twist um, for about 10 years now. Um, so I started there as a staff writer back in 2006. And I was quite lucky at the time because uh, I was only a staff journalist for about three months because the editor of uh, Knitting International um, moved on after I uh, started at the company. So I had a, a stint as a... Um, a kind of stand-in editor at Knitting International. And then the editor of Wool Record, uh, John Little at the time, who many in the wool industry still know, then announced his retirement the following summer. So having only been at the company within a few months as a sort of junior writer, uh, I was then offered a quite prestigious position of editor of Wool Records. Um, so it's really a case of being, be, being very much in the right place at the right time. Um, so I started as editor of Record in July 2007, and then um, we we then looked at how the magazine was going, and for various reasons we decided that quite a significant change was needed to the magazine, and that's why we launched Twist then the following year in 2008. Yeah, I, I know so, that kind of career, it was similar for me where... <clears throat> so yeah, yeah that, that's really good for you and you've did an amazing job and tell me what what kind of changes did you think were necessary um, for Wool Record and that made you then launch Twist magazine sure yeah so uh, there was a, a lot of changes really I mean Wool Record is definitely a well respected magazine within the, the wool sector but the the relevance of the magazine for the key decision makers in the supply chain further downstream such as the designers and brands and retailers um, wasn't quite there and the way the industry was developing and has continued to develop over the last 10 years um, we've seen a clear need for the wool industry to communicate as effectively as possible with those decision makers further downstream uh, so we saw a great need For the, for the magazine to be modernized and to appeal much more strongly to those readers uh, further downstream, as well as continuing to inform the readers, if you like, the more traditional readers um, that are uh, further up, up the supply chain. So that, in essence, was what drove the changes. And which, I mean, we in essence, really, looking back, we kind of changed everything, really. We changed the design. The look and feel of the magazine we changed quite a lot about the content uh, we expanded the distribution as i mentioned to to get get the magazine to more brands and retailers 
but the, the hardest part was, of course, changing the name, and that was the element that's caused us the most um, thought. It gave us the um, the biggest challenge in terms of the thought process involved, because obviously Wool Record, like I say, was still quite well respected, but we kind of when we were talking to brands and retailers it sounded very old-fashioned to them and um, didn't really appeal so we we did a lot of research about branding about names about the risks and the opportunities of changing your own brand name which is in itself a really fascinating process and I, l I learned a lot about branding through that and we we got down to a list a short list of about 10 different names uh, one of which was Twist, and we started testing the name on different people across the industry. And Twist seemed to have a relevance. So obviously, it's, Twist refers to the twisting of a yarn, but also it's used in the fashion industry. So for example, you might talk about putting a twist on a certain t uh, type of style or look or fabric. And it just seemed to capture some you know, sort of relevance and appeal within the industry, um, both among the tradi traditional readers and the new readers. And, and that's how it looked. So then Twist was launched in September 2008. And, you know, we, we've continued to evolve from there, really. And the rest is history, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that's right. Yeah, and I, I can see what you did because I, I love all your covers. I think they're really appealing. And I, I can see, like, the concept that you were going for to reach a broader audience. And how, so maybe to summarize, who would be now your typical reader of Twist magazine? So, I mean, in essence, we have we have readers across the whole supply chain. So the, the wool growers, the producers, early stage processors, uh, the yarn spinners, knitters, weavers, uh, garment manufacturers, and the, also the designers, the brands and retailers. Um, so... Really, we have readers right across the supply chain, uh, distribution of more than 10,000 across the world. Um, but I guess if, you, in answer to your question, I guess a typical reader would simply be somebody who wants to know what's happening within the industry. And um, what we've found is that since we launched Twist um, 10 years ago, that there's been a growing desire for information. Um, and that much of that has been driven by by the consumer. So as the consumer wants to know more about the story behind their products, that means that brands and retailers need to provide the consumer with more information. So they themselves need to then find out more about the rest of the supply chain. So that trend, if you like, of telling the story to the consumer has actually benefited us quite a lot uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the demand for more information. Yeah, and I guess at the same time, I mean, we are in an age of information overload so you need yeah. so your job is to make it relevant and to do the analysis work yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah exactly and we and we still find that there's a lot of value in in print uh, we often get asked if we if we still find it a um a worthwhile pursuit producing a magazine but we find that perhaps because there is like you say there is that information overload on the internet People value a well-produced, well-researched, uh, high-value magazine product, which they know is going to inform them about the industry and have uh, credible information which they can use, you know, to, to make their own sort of business decisions. So, 
yeah, we we certainly find that at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. And tell us a little bit more about World Textile Information Network, who is the publisher of Twist Magazine. Sure. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so WTN, as it's known for short, um, is based in Leeds in Yorkshire in the UK. And it's been around, I mean, World Record uh, was around for about 100 years. Well, WTN has actually been around for about 130 years, uh, the way it traces itself back. So it was originally based in Bradford um, and then moved to Leeds a few years ago. So WTN publishes Twist and six other magazines, uh, which are Knitting International, Non-Movers Report International, International Dyer, uh, future textiles, digital textiles, and a new magazine which we've launched recently called IOText, which is about the phenomenon of Industry 4.0 and how that relates to the textile industry. And WTN also has WTN.com, which is a unique online news and analysis service, uh, which is increasingly popular, and we find that companies. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of big brands who subscribe to that to find out information about the whole industry and all the different sectors that we cover. Um, we also organise events and we have partnerships with many major uh, textile associations. So it's um, it's a company, but I think we employ about 35 people now, uh, but we have a global reach and we're always on the road traveling and uh, <laughs> I think we're very well known now in the industry so um, yeah it's a great company to be part of. Yeah that's true I did bump into you many times at different textile fairs. So yeah that's right. quite a bit on the run and you, you say that there's then a good balance between digital and um, printed magazine because obviously things sometimes move so quickly that you can cover that through digital but then some stories can be better told in the printed version? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess in essence, uh, the, the, where the internet is the most valuable medium is the speed. So if a news story breaks straight away, then obviously now people can access that information straight away rather than waiting for the, the next magazine to be published. But... Um, at the same time, people do we do find a value in the print medium, not only because of the content, but also the distribution. So the fact that a magazine can be distributed at um, textile exhibitions, or for example, as we saw last week, handed to each delegate at the IWTO conference in, Har in Harrogate. So, um, yeah, so we find that readers value the online as well as the print media. And... Um, enjoy the benefits of having both uh, we, we also have an, an, a mobile app as well a WTIN app uh, which we find increasingly popular as well as people access their news on the go using the app you can just get the latest news straight away on your phone so so across desktop mobile and print um, we, we like to think we've got it covered. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And I read that in two, that 2016 was one of the most successful years of Twist Magazine since it was launched in 2008. What do you think are the reasons besides, of course, the great work that you and your team do? <laughs> uh, sure. Well, the, I would say the main reason um, last for last year's success was our decision to launch a new Chinese edition. And we were so pleased with that, we've actually 
now got two Chinese editions. Um, so the Chinese edition we launched last year is for the September issue. And we'll be continuing that again this September. But we also launched a second Chinese edition, which it publishes in February. Um, so our Chinese editions are both distributed at Intertextile Shanghai in March and October. And also at the September issue is distributed at the Nanjing Wool Market Conference. Um, so reaching out to more of the Chinese textile fashion and interiors industry has really helped us grow our advertising, um, helping the growth of 30% last year. So I would say that was the main reason, but as well as that, just going back to what I said earlier about the, the trends that we're benefiting from for more desire for information. And I think also, particularly in the wool industry at the moment, with there's certainly a greater confidence and optimism about the industry that I've probably not really seen in the 10 years that I've been in the industry. So I think we've seen people increase their marketing budgets as well, which has also helped increase advertising. So I would say that there are a lot of the factors that have helped us, uh, the success that we've had over the last, last year or so. Yeah, that must have been nice to finally be able to report about the wool industry in a more positive um, note than <laughs> the year when we started. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, you don't only cover wool, you also cover other natural fibers. Uh, I see a lot about cotton in, in the Twist magazine. But when you cover all these different fibers, do you see some commonality um, about the natural fibers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the commonality really is, as, as and it sounds like I'm stating the bleeding obvious, but the, the common commonality is obviously the competition from man-made fibers which continue to take a, an increased um, share of the overall fiber market globally so as well as wool cotton is dealing with issues of how it can grow its demand how it can appeal to more consumers how they can educate consumers more about the value of cotton so there is that definitely that commonality And I thought it was really interesting in the um, presentation given by Christian Schindler last week. Um, Christian Schindler from the International Textile Manufacturers Federation in Harrogate last week, who said that while wool is a luxury fibre, slowly cotton is becoming a second luxury fibre. So it's interesting that natural fibres are seem to be heading towards a situation where they need to focus on high value um, products and really making sure consumers are aware about why those products are more expensive and, and have more value attached. So that's that's definitely a commonality. Obviously as well the, the with natural fibers is the, the challenges created by seasonal conditions, that sort of thing which have an impact on supply. Mm -hmm. And where do you see um, that wool is very different compared to the other natural fibers? Well, I think, I mean, obviously the, the clear difference between wool, well, I would say if you'd like, I could bracket wool and other animal fibers versus cotton as a plant fiber. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's um, where the difference is. And animal fibers have their, I mean in, in a way they have a greater challenge in the sense that 
it's there's more challenges in terms of the production of the fiber than cotton but at the same time there's probably a, a stronger story with animal fibers so i think that whilst cotton is it's just not quite as romantic saying oh yeah well cotton is produced all these hectares of, of fields in the middle of nowhere uh, whereas the animal fibers industry such as wool has a has really a better story because this it's just a, lot, a much more appealing story about the fact that this this fiber is from the sheep's back and it helps the sheep uh, stay cool in the summer and warm warm in the winter and so on and so forth and and obviously there's a lot of uh, challenges that cotton face in terms of the amount of water that it uses issues around pollution and so on so there's um yeah there's challenges and opportunities for, for both fibers um that's how i would summarize up yeah okay i like that that you find the um animal fibers more romantic i like that and <laughs> the wool industry I, i at least i perceive it that people working in the wool industry are always super super passionate about wool and about their work is that something you also pick up as like standing a little bit outside as an observer Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why people stay in the industry. That's something I've noticed, that people have such a passion for it. They they dedicate their livelihoods to it, and and I think that's the enormous strength of the industry, that you've got there's so many talented people who are dedicated to the industry and dedicated to making it as successful as possible. So, yeah, absolutely, and I... You know, and like I say, it is a, it is this really special product, um, which which is why one when consumers learn about it, they find it so appealing. So yeah, it's, and I guess ultimately that's a passion that I've picked up when I, I came into the industry as a journalist. Outside from the industry, but I I myself, as with everybody else in the sector, have become very passionate about wool. And yeah, you kind of get infused with that passion just being a part of the industry. So yeah, that's definitely something I've noticed and something that is a huge benefit, I think, to the industry. No, I love that. Thank you for, for commenting on that. And obviously, when you, we already said you have to travel a lot to cover um, all the different natural fibers. And most probably, wool has also taken you to far and away places. Can you share with us like your greatest adventure when you were traveling for wool? Sure, yeah. I mean, that's a tough one because I've been really, literally all around the world, really, with the industry. Um, but what, I mean, I'll never forget, I mean, actually, my first week as the editor of what was then the World Record, I was in Moscow for the Laura Piana uh, World, World Record which is slightly confusing because wool record isn't associated with the magazine, but they call it the wool record. It's the finest bale of wool in the world each year or awarded to either an Australian or a New Zealand wool grower. And the Laura Piana hold the event each year in a different city. And that year in 2007, they held the event in Moscow and it, uh, because they wanted to target the Russian consumer. And it was an incredible event. Um, They they promoted uh, Don Burnett, who uh, was a New Zealand wool grower, and uh, Pierre Luigi Lorapiana, who was at the time the chief executive of uh, of Lorapiana. Um, you could see the passion that he had for the fibre and, and 
where, where it was produced. And um, and that was something that really struck me. And um, the event was at the Italian embassy in the middle of Moscow. And myself and the other journalists were all put in limousines taken from the rich hotel just by Red Square in Moscow across across to the Italian embassy. And there was literally a red carpet on arrival and we were all greeted by the Italian ambassador. So I'll never forget that week as, as my first as the editor. Um, to sort of, it sort of highlighted how um, you know the value of wool as a product and, and its position in the luxury sector. Um, so yeah, that was quite an incredible experience. Not, as well as that, I've also been lucky to lucky enough to visit sheep farms in Australia. Um, you know, been to some of the huge textile factories in China, um, and uh, you know, I've interviewed, for example, designers and brands such as uh, I mean, Agilda Azania and also Brooks Brothers in New York. So, yeah, I, I've been very lucky to be able to, to travel around around the world. And I think as editor, you kind of get that access. And as a journalist, you, you have that access across the supply chain. So so I feel very, very lucky and privileged to have had those experiences. Wow, yeah, that sounds amazing. Well, yeah, I, that, that was, I asked that because I, I presumed that you have these really nice stories. And sure. <laughs> we already... I mean, you mentioned a little bit earlier um, about storytelling and also that you find like that wool comes off the back of a sheep uh, fascinating. But can you tell us, is there something about, like a story about wool that you find the most fascinating? Yeah, I mean, um, you're talking about some of the front covers we had earlier. Um, so last year, our October issue, had a lot of feedback. Uh, the front cover, which I'm just looking at the moment, we the front cover was the image was supplied to us by a German brand called Autovox, which is a, a German outdoor wear brand, and they use uh, merino wool from Tasmania. And we 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 we've done a feature about Tasmanian merino, uh, which is uh, a brand which is being pushed a lot more at the moment and they've really got big plans to attract more interest from brands and retailers around the world and th this image is of some mountaineers right on the top of a mountain and it's a really spectacular image which uh, seemed to get a lot of attention and that seemed to be a great way to tell the story and I think again that's something that came shining through the conference last week and some of the sessions about how to tell the story, the, the power of the image just can't be underestimated, whether you're talking about fashion or interiors. So that would be the tip that I would take away. I think sometimes it's easy for us as companies trying to promote ourselves to get bogged down in the detail of wording. But at the end of the day, an image can be as more effective than anything else. And that's certainly something worth investing in. So that that would be my my main tip. Wow, and that that from an editor. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. About that, words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah, yeah. I guess it sounds like I'm trying to devalue the written word, but <laughs> it's obviously that is obviously vitally important. But um, as a magazine editor, I also understand the value of of a great image, and I think in terms of tips for the industry as a whole, that, that would be my main one because it's that's what grabs people. And 
yeah, that is certainly something worth worth paying a lot of a lot of attention to. And perhaps the industry isn't doing as much of it as it could at the moment. Um, so I think yeah, that would be that would be my one one point there. I think. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. That was really interesting. And before we come to an end, how can listeners find out more about Twist Magazine and how can they connect with you? Okay, sure. So you can go to our website, which is www.wtin.com, um, which will give you all the information about Twist Magazine, how to subscribe, and also the Natural Fibers and Yarns channel on, on that website, which complements the magazine. Um, you can also contact me on email at jdyson at wtin.com or follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Jonathan Dyson. So they're the main ways to, uh, to contact me and do feel free, uh, anybody listening to this, to, to drop me a line Great. if you have any questions. Yeah, and I'll link to all those um, different websites and email addresses and Twitter um, on the show notes. And indeed, Jonathan is a very active Twitter activist so for sure go and follow him as well well thank you Jonathan for your time and I wish you continued success with your magazine pleasure thank you very much Lisa thank you bye thank you bye hopefully you enjoyed this interview with Jonathan Dyson as much as I did all the links that were mentioned can be found in the show notes just visit elizabethvandelden.com forward slash zero three one Once again, that's elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 031. Please do let me know what you thought of the show today by leaving a comment in the show notes. I would also love to hear what your favorite trip was for the wool industry. Just visit show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 031 and tell me your story of where wool has led you to an amazing place or experience. Also, make sure to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter or Instagram. I would love to catch up with you there as well. And have a great day. Bye for now.